0: To the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode one hundred and ninety-six. It is Brando coming up momentarily. Is Mike Peters from the Alarm? I'm actually really excited to talk to to Mike. Of course, we're going to use our GNR, our six degrees of GNR bacon. I had no idea that Gilby Clark produced two records, uh, two alarm records. I had no clue. I think that's. What I, I kind of get bothered by when people just. Think of Gilby as just an ex Guns N' Roses guitarist. He's done so much. So we're going to talk to Mike about working with Gilby, and it was also a very cool project he did, uh, Dead Man Walking, which is kind of a, the GNR version of of Camp Freddy, where you have it's kind of like a, a menudo where you have all these get, these members coming and going, and and he's played with Duff before, so we're going to ask about that, and of course uh, he's going To promote something, he's still making music, of course. Uh, Mike Peters has a new double album coming out, Scream the Hurricane of Change, which he was supposed to tour with. So, we're going to figure out what he's doing with the new album. And he's also, unlike GNR, he's doing live shows on Facebook, which is pretty awesome. So, we're going to talk to him momentarily. But first, you know, forget Mike Peters, I say that with all love and respect, but forget Matt Storm, forget all these awesome people I've spoken to, Alice Cooper. I don't think there's anybody I've been more excited to speak with than my, my co-host for today. If you're from Long Island, if you're from New York, if you are a radio nerd like myself, you know the name Dennis McNamara. And uh, I mean let's just say Dennis. Instead of just giving you some large intro, we'll talk about who you are for those who may not know. But Dennis – I miss you, my friend uh... <laughs> well,
1: I know, it's, it's coronavirus uh, we're, all, we're all joining up on, uh, on on media things But thank you for that sweet um, opening I have to say, it's it's great to be on here I'm, I know how hard you've been working on this podcast for so long And I know it's really taken off So congratulations, and that's really good yeah. And it's, it's good for everything musically And I couldn't be on for a nicer reason Because we're about to go to Wales via technology and talk to Mike Peters of The Alarm, a band that I've worked with uh, from their earliest days in America. He's uh, somebody I've known for a long time. We made a movie about the WLIR days, a documentary that uh, ran on Showtime and was a big hit at Tribeca Music, uh, a film festival, and um, it's called Dare to be Different. So it'll be great to catch up with him. So I, I guess... Without further ado, uh, I've um, been uh, around the Guns N' Roses camp with people like Steve Thompson, the producer. You know, I, I, I've, uh, I've I've met you know some of the members of the band over the years uh, very quickly. But I must admit that I'm going to um, live through the connection of Mike Peters today as, <laughs> as we as we deal with um, the uh, the subject of Guns N' Roses. And Mike Peters of The Alarm on this. Uh, I know. On this. I, I should also mention, you know, The Alarm, so millions of records. They're a worldwide phenomenon. They've been around since 1980, so it, it's amazing. And Mike's had, an, had a ton of serious health problems and has survived, and he's just one of the nicest people. And as you will hear, he is somebody, you know what, that you could spend a lot of time talking to and, and just digging music with
0: and and your name came up, and and because I want to talk to you first, just for a little bit before we get him on, because your name immediately came up when I saw the opportunity to interview Mike. Because uh, I don't know if I ever really told you the story or what I went through about just meeting you. Uh, you know, because I'm from Long Island, obviously. If you can't tell but my accent, for those people who you know don't know <laughs> where I'm from yet, but I'm from I'm, my family's from Brooklyn. I'm, you know, I'm a Long Islander, right, but right. I. You know, given my age, you know, born in '83, and like, when did WLAR um officially sign off? Uh,
1: actually, uh, well, I left in uh, 1991. Okay, but that was WDRE. Oh, LAR signed off as the you know
0: famous dare to a different era. In 87, so... So, right.
1: And you, yeah, know, and you, a, you, you really got a very a limited uh, amount of it as a very young child.
0: And I, I try not to use it as an excuse because I know about dinosaurs. I know about the Civil War. I know about things that happened before <laughs> me. <laughs> but it's when I finally got my first full-time radio job after seven years in the industry because being on air is a very difficult route, especially... I mean, uh-huh. And this was only a few years ago. I mean, now it seems to be impossible... And I went to Ronconkema to work at WRCN. I guess I don't know if those call letters still exist, but what 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 was a legendary classic rock station? I just go into this room, and I got to be honest, you know, having worked at Sirius and uh, and iHeart, I I mean, I felt like I was broadcasting out of a broom closet, but that's another story. it, it may have been, but I just see this this guy, you know, around my my dad's age, you're, you know, wearing sunglasses, has a, and it's like f- six in the morning, seven in the morning, because I was helping out with the morning show, by the way. And you have a giant, it was you, a giant uh, two liter bottle of soda, and I was like, who is this guy? And you're, and, and right away though, you were most give off the most warm and friendly, you know, just like just welcoming into me into this new radio family and it made me feel so good and what you did for me over the course of i mean i don't know if it was a year or so before you know we won't get into radio drama but <laughs> when we worked together you know you taught me so much about the industry about myself you gave me so much confidence in myself so i can really say that i'm trying to carve and be my own Dennis McNamara in wow. this in 2020 and and you've just and it's not just the radio stuff because we would go on drives, get lunch. You know, we are friends, and yeah, it's yeah. Ju- and it's just been. Um, I've wanted to do an episode with you for a while. I, I, uh, hopefully, I wanted I wanted you to come down to the studios, but well, I want to do that. I mean, uh, life is kind of uh, in the way, but I do want to well, well, we'll see because we were talking a yeah. while, and I think I may have said this when when it happened, but we were out to lunch one time and we were talking about obviously the podcast, and you're like. Oh, I'm friends with Steve Thompson, who mixed appetite for destruction, just like so nonchalantly. And then you call him up, while while I have like fries in my mouth, and you just like put him on the phone with me. And I got so nervous. I'm like, "Hi, Mr. Thompson." He's like, "Just call me Steve. I'll do anything for Dennis. Yes, I'll do your show." So maybe yeah. after this uh this conversation with Mike Peters, you come on again and we
1: get. Uh, we we've talked about it, Steve, and I since it's just you know, like I said, things have happened, but. We definitely have to do it. Steve was uh, Steve was definitely psyched to do it with the two of us. And if anybody was close, well, you you understand. I mean, just check his credits. I mean, he is, but he's one of the great producers, and he came from Long Island, a regular guy just like us. You know, worked his way up through the club spinning just to do guest DJ shows on LIR, and and of course has worked with you know not just Guns and Roses, but Mick Jagger, um, Paul McCartney, Tina Turner. Tears for Fears, I mean, you know, his list of uh, dance and alternative stuff goes on for miles, but he also did the Blues Traveler, the Big Breakthrough and all that. He's a, an amazing guy, and we will have him on. I promise I'll get that together with you as soon as we can. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Dennis. And I want sure. you also to come back to co-host because your resume also goes on and on and on, but we got to talk to Mike. <laughs> got to get to Mike, but thank you
1: for, for the nice words, Brandon, and your friendship. Awesome. And um, let's go to Wales.
0: Sounds good. Hi, Mike.
1: Uh, guys? My goodness. Mike, Mike Peters, how the hell are you? Uh, great, thank you. Yourself? Well, we're, here, we're here in a coronavirus, and I'm making a guest appearance to talk about many things we can talk about, but uh, Brandon is the
0: man. I appreciate you giving me the the time today. Hey, absolute pleasure. You know, I know you've been keeping extremely busy, and, and Dennis and I, we've been not as friends as, as long as you two, but... He's he's the one that really got me into the alarm. When I'm you know waving my Guns N' Roses flag everywhere, he's like he taught me all about WLIR and because I'm I'm younger, I'm 36, so I, I unfortunately missed those those days. So you know finding doing my research about the alarm and everything that you you're, you have going on right now is just so impressive. And the fact that you have a double album coming out is uh, is mind blowing to me in 2020. Did you expect to be here? All these years later, to still pre- be putting out quality and, and just excellent music?
2: Well, I, I, I've always uh, had high hopes that I'd we'd, uh, we'd be able to make a life out of music. Um, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind it, uh, and I wouldn't mind where, where it's all ends up. I'm glad it's kind of where it is. Um, and we still have like to make music, but I, I think I'm the sort of person uh, that loves making music so much. Even if I was fortunate enough to be in a touring band that can get around the world. If, if I was uh, in regular employment, shall we say, I'm sure at the weekends I'd be setting up a PA and pulling out a guitar and jamming with my friends or making music in a bar or doing whatever it takes. Um, I've always enjoyed just the pure thrill of being able to make music and, and uh, love those opportunities. And, and I think that's sort of, a in its own way, stood me in pretty good stead, to be honest.
0: And I'm glad you're still making music in this middle of this apocalypse. So I guess before we go forward, you're, you're doing okay? Because it seems like you're doing, because you're pretty active on social media. You're doing well.
1: Yeah, to
2: be honest, guys, it's, uh, we've we become the WLIR of North Wales. With huh. uh, you know, the situation that has to be different. There you go. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> that's it. You know, all the things we learned from Dennis and all the team over at LIR, of playing music for the love of it. You know, we're, we're in lockdown, but it doesn't matter. You know, we can still communicate to our audience. We've got the benefit of uh, our own version of the airwaves, which is called the internet, and we can share music and experiences and stories and good times and keep our, all our spirits up through through that format of being able to just uh, enjoy music. We, we keep saying on thealarm.com right from the start of the lockdown, music will keep us strong. And um, we all know that, you know, we're, we're all fans of bands that have kept us alive and got us through the good times and the bad times and live to tell the story. And, and that's what we're doing now. We're living to be able to tell the story of what happens when we come through the other side. And uh, a lot of that is, is down to meeting people like yourselves who, who just love music, you know, and, and we want to enjoy and communicate that. You know, Dennis comes from a time in radio when music was free, you know, the... the, 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 the the way you played music was not restricted by playlists and and the computer. You know, I'm sure when Dennis was spinning records on WLAC, "Hey, it's what's happening today." You know, there's it's uh, there's a car there's a car pilot. Let's play Car Jamming by the Clash. You know, or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. it's raining outside and it's sunny. Let's play Rain in the Summertime by the Alarm. You know, you'd, you'd respond in that way with playing great music, and that, that's why we have a, a, a history of an audience and we have a connection to them, is, is when we first came to America, uh, that we met people like Dennis and others around the country who loved playing music and con- conveyed that thrill of how great a song was. I mean, you, we all remember the stories of you know, the the days of the DJ playing That'll Be The Day by Buddy Holly and locking himself in the control room and playing for 24 hours. <laughs> or the guy, I <laughs> think, might have been in Florida who flipped over Reason to Believe by Rob Stewart and said, hey, this Maggie May on the B-side is much better. <laughs> you know, and they're the, really- the things that... You know, people don't get to do that on the airwaves anymore. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, and but we do it on podcasts now. We do it on our internet and, uh, and sites like right, that we do with the alarm. And this, this is where people are tuning in. They, they're coming to hear music played in a freestyle by people who actually love it and want to communicate it. And they don't want to hear, you know, we've all got to pay the bills and we appreciate there's got to be adverts. But let's have some freedom in the way music is played and communicated and, you know, uh, oh, it's it. You know that's what the lockdowns done it's put us back into contact with the an audience through a different medium, and I think they've all fallen in love with that idea of being at home on a Saturday night, tuning in and hear some music they love, but people being played by people who love to communicate about it, and that's what we're all doing here, and we're all spreading the love, which is uh, and helping people get through this, the pandemic, which is a, it's a great thing. That's it's really great to talk to you guys today.
0: You really hit the nail on the head, and that is how I feel about podcasts and, and internet radio. It is like when I just told Dennis before we got on. I, I wish I was under his employ. I wish I, I experienced that kind of radio. So you, what you're talking about the live stream you do with your your wife every Saturday night, big night in, and it's like the the Michael. It's like the Tonight Show with uh, with with Mike Peters. It's awesome. Mike and Jules. <laughs>
2: And, you know, without without the bands like Guns N' Roses going out there and changing things and going against the grain and making that great music when they first burst onto the scene, same for the alarm. We've all come from these alternative backgrounds where people would normally not ever have given us a chance, but we've we've gone out there and we've shown that we can do it with a bit of love and compassion and commitment and belief in what you're doing. Who knows what's possible? And that's why, you, you know, Guns N' Roses became a global entity. And, it's, you know, and we were—I mean, I was hoping to go and see them this summer, Because they were going to be playing at um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. And as it happens, my cousin, my, my wife's cousin's husband, is the manager of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And that uh, we—I we, was taking the kids because my kids love Guns N Roses, and Roses. I was going to be taking them to see really? them. And now, well, hopefully, we'll, have, we'll go next year instead. There <laughs> you
1: go.
0: That's funny. <laughs> you know, I guess since you're bringing it up now, and because we will definitely talk about uh, the double album, Hurricane of Change, but while we're on the topic, to talk about your GNR connections, uh, I had no idea that Gilby Clark mixed two Alarm albums, Guerrilla Tactics and uh, Direct yeah, Action. Like, how'd you
1: hook up with Gilby? Yeah, well, I, I met Gilby through this, that sort of
2: Guitar rock and roll connection in Hollywood. I knew Slim Jim Phantom from Stray Cats going back decades and Gilby He's from Long Island, and- you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm probably the only listener he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, Jim moved out from Hollywood and uh, he, he lived not too far from Gilby and they were playing together in a band at, at Slim Jim's club called the Star Essas, I think they were called. <laughs> I'll say the full word. <laughs> uh, and, and it was uh, in G- Slim Jim's Cat Club, and they used to jam every weekend, and, and, and Gilby would drop by and play guitar and sing and play covers, and he was you know great guy. And, uh, and, and then Slim Jim actually took me round to his studio one night, um, we, Slim Jim and I were involved in this project called Dead Men Walking with mm-hmm. Captain Sensible from the Damned. And we were doing some recording. And uh, Slim Jim and I had written a couple of songs together. And, we, and Slim Jim said, Let's go and record them at Gilby studio. So he took us over there. And Gilby recorded them and sent them back to the UK to the studio we were working out of there. And, and we got a great. I got on great with Gilby. And I said, Look, you know, I've got this alarm record. And I really was be great if you uh, could um, mix it for us you know and uh and uh, and, and I, he worked on the band i'd heard and like called the bronx as well he produced their record i thought it was a right. great kind record and i said yeah would you consider mixing an alarm record and he said love to and next minute i uh, i um, came back with a family to hollywood and we, we hung out in the in the studio for a couple of weeks mixing the album and uh, he did—he did a great job on both records. And he uh, came to some some of the gigs, and we hung out. And hes he, he just a great guy. And we were at that time when we were making Guerrilla Tactics and Direct Action. We were sort of making, um, as we were touching bases, sort of some earlier influences, uh, like, and we were going back to more of a new wave sort of guitar-driven, almost punk sound at that time. I think you know it was around that time that was the the. Um, the Green Day, American Idiot kind of era, and a lot of records were leaning towards that. And, okay. And New Order said that uh, the, Alar- the Green Day were, were, were America's version of The Alarm and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, and, and we just, I just wanted a guitar guy to mix the record. I thought, Gilby's a great musician. He's in a great band. You know, he's got that credential of playing in Guns N' Roses. He steadied the ship with them when they needed a, a, a sensible pair of hands on the deck. And... He arrived and he was, and he's got a great ear, so he was he was brilliant to work with and uh, got on really famously. So I'm
0: still good friends to this day. That's awesome. And you mentioned Dead Man Walking and Slim Jim Phantom. There was a it's kind of like if you know of, of Camp Freddy. It's like another super group that has members going in and out of it. But you've played with Duff McKagan, so I'm just curious. Uh, you know what was that experience like? Have you was that your first time meeting Duff? This happened back in 2014. Uh, a dead man walking show. Yeah, I,
2: I, again, I, I think you know Slim Jim is like kind of rock and roll royalty up there in Hollywood, and because he, he, he had the Cat Club, everyone used to come through that that space and and hang out. And uh, you know, a lot of these guys, um, you know, they're 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 not drinkers, they're AA or they look after themselves. They're, they're fit, healthy guys, uh, got great marriages and relationships, and and uh, I met them all parties at Slim Jim's really or, or just being at his house Slim Jim and I go back to um, 1980 uh, when the Stray Cats came to the UK mm-hmm. uh, we pretended to be a support band at one of their gigs and before we got thrown off uh, <laughs> Slim Jim came to the rescue and let, said let him play and then we, we ended up it, they took us back to the recording studio after the gig and they were recording Runaway Boys and Rock This Town with Dave Edmunds from Wales and, some whales, and we ended up in a, a great friendship. And, uh, Slim Jim turned up at my house at New Year's Eve in Wales, and, cause he didn't know anyone in Britain, and, and, so we looked after him, and we just became great friends. And, and, uh, Slim Jim's always been one, one of these kind of sociable guys that a lot of things happen around. And, uh, so I met Duff through, through Slim Jim. And, uh, and Duff was great, cause he, he was like, oh, a big alarm fan, and you knew all the records. And, uh, and Duff <laughs> again, and I think, that what I gather from the Guns N' Roses connections that I've met along the way is that, that in a way, they, they had a, there was almost a punk sensibility about Guns N' Roses when they started, but they applied it in a more of a hard rock vein than punk, you know. And, and uh, which is you could hear in that when they did a lot of punk covers later in their career. And and Duff was a massive fan of the Damned; uh, he, he idolized Captain Sensible. Right. And uh, and and we were playing a gig at, at the Troubadour in LA and the next minute Duff wants to play hmm. <laughs> and, he, and he wants to play Sweet Child's Mine" with me singing it and uh, I, I, can, I can remember it. we rehearsed it and, and I, I said well we can't do it like Guns N' Roses you know that, the whole vibe of when you step into the Dead Mum walking is that you play the, style, the song in the style of the musicians that are there so you have a rockabilly drummer you know, new Wave singer like Mike Peters here, you've got Chris Cheney from The Living End playing, and you've got Captain Sensible, you actually have to go in and like, so desperate. So how are we going to approach on? Well, I think it's quite a folk song underneath, so I'll play mandolin, and, and, and you play guitar, and Captain Sensible be your bass line, but in his own style, and Slim st- Jim will we'll keep the backbeat going, and we ended up with this fantastic version, uh, and I think in a way, it sort of sounded a, a little bit like... Um, uh, a sort of, um, faces sort of song, you know, stripped down, like la la or something like that. And, uh, and we played it and it went down great. We played it in a, a very different key to how Axel would sing, where he sings it quite high. We sort of toned it down a little bit and it became almost like a, you could hear Rob Stewart singing it, except it was me almost. And, uh, <laughs> it went down a storm. It was an amazing, <laughs> it's an amazing song, isn't it? Every kid in the world it's, you know, when I was growing up, you walk into a music store and the guys would go, no stairway, no smoke on the water because <laughs> you, you see the guitar you played those riffs.
0: Like in Wayne's now World. Now you walk into
2: a guitar shop and all the kids went, sweet child of mine. It's like, no sweet child of mine. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and
0: so, uh,
2: it's, you know, when, I, when we finished the song, uh, I can remember um, Lemmy from Motorhead was at the Troubadour watching it because he was one of Slim Jim's pals and he jumped up with the dead walking uh, one time and he they grabbed this band called Head Cats Living Gym. And I remember going up into the dressing room and, and um, Lemmy coming over to me goes, uh, Yeah, great version of
0: Sweet Child Mind, but not quite sure about the vandolin though. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. i got to find that version online because I, I, earlier today I shared that band covering I Fought the Law, but i got to find that Sweet Child wow. Absolutely. I'm sure it's, it's out there somewhere. Uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll look for it. And, you know, obviously, you know, I, I can't even talk about my GNR obsession because we, they're not giving us, they're not giving us new music during this pandemic. So that's why I'm glad I have this podcast keeping me entertained. And also why I have Mike Peters keeping me entertained. Your fans are so lucky. We are so lucky because, uh, in June is so, has anything changed with the pandemic with stream of hurricane, uh, excuse me, a uh, stream hurricane of change, the double album? Is it still it's coming quite, out uh,
2: June 12th? It's a little bit more difficult for me to come and play it like I'd intentioned to come in America. And uh, so we're just looking now for the opportunities to, when it's safe, to come back and play. Um, yeah, I've actually still got some venues, on, uh, some gigs still active technically in America, and in California and Hawaii at the moment in July. But I'm not sure if um, the planes are going to allow me to fly to uh, USA at this point. But the the shows will go ahead at some point in the future, and uh, I'm looking forward to that opportunity coming. Um, And we've just been speaking with our agents and and the promoters and music venues, and and we keep saying to them, look, we're ready to play as the alarm whenever the opportunity arises, as soon as it's safe. You know, we're we're, we're a very adaptable band. You know, we're, we're built around an acoustic guitar is, is the sound of the is inherent in that instrument. So <laughs> we can play to five people in a 500 capacity room because everyone needs that that space for social distance, well, we'll be the band that comes and plays, or it will be we'll strip down to meet the need of the environment. So um, we're, we're just ready to go as soon as that opportunity comes, and and as soon as they can get on planes, we'll be heading to America to fulfil our projects over there and, and, and meet the fans again and. Keep, keep things going. Hey
1: Mike I, I, I just wanted to say something um, and it is complimentary. It, it's in listening to you talk about all of this I mean and you've been you've been stepping through incredible areas and genres of music for your entire career. What I really, you know what, having been on stage with you, I remember when we, uh, you were nice enough to be in the L.I.R. movie that opened the tribe and I were on stage. That was so exciting. I've been in uh, small bars in Suffolk County when you were just starting out, you know, trying to break through and the stand and 68 guns were on the radio. And I listen to you now talking to Brandon, who has become part of, you know, a fan base that continues to grow with everything you're doing. And I have to just tell you, man, your enthusiasm for music, your enthusiasm for what you do is just so, so wonderful. It's such a gift to have and you give. And I just really you know, wanted to acknowledge that. And and it's so nice listening to you talking. And I'm glad, you know, like so many of us, you have overcome health problems. You continue to fight. In a time where we all have to fight, because I mean, look what we're facing at this point in time. And one of the great blessings we have is music. So, you know, I I, I say that because listening to you is just making me feel so good. Mm. <laughs> and same here,
2: Dennis, is you know, just you know, this just having a bit of normal life to be able to talk about music and where we're going to go. It, it's it's gift at this time, and, and I'm sure all the listeners. Uh, I can't wait, you know, because music is the one thing, you know, it's certainly in our household that we, we have. You know, m- my kids and I, we all play guitars and drums and we've got a room set up and we can disappear and play in there. And uh, they, they we, we escape, you know, we don't cover the news anymore. We, we switch the TVs and the radios off. because they're, they're just so depressing and and and, uh, and we just listen to music and, it, and it, it's been quite an amazing time, you know, Discover, you know, James, our guitarist, uh, my son was 16. Oh, um, God, God, and that's the, great. During the pandemic, yeah, and James sent him up a copy of Led Zeppelin before, he said, my son plays guitar, and every my son plays guitar, he said, guitar there, they, even if they are Guns N' Roses fans and Rage Against the Machine listeners, they've still got to go back and listen to Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, because this is this
0: part of the
2: route into, the, into pl- becoming a real Absolutely. You know, we've been, uh, music history we've, we've devoured and I've been able to pass on to the kids. I, I don't think I'd have ever had this time, you know, so we, I feel like there are oh, lots of good things coming out of this time that guys like us have been able to share their love of music with an audience who may be living a bit too fast to sort of listen to albums, you know, and they, they like their music on shuffle or they listen to one song here and there from an artist, but I think it sort of brought everyone back to getting their full CDs out, getting their LPs on the record player, listening to actual bands again and artists, not just songs, and I think uh, when we do come out of lockdown, it's going to be interesting to see what audiences go to see, which bands they want to see, and I think it's bands like that we're talking about tonight that have got... That have got a bit of passion and energy and commitment to the cause. That's what's yeah. going to be the bands that are going to flourish in the aftermath of all this. When when the new normal arrives and we see what how the land lies.
0: Is Stream Hurricane of Change? Is that going to be a physical copy or or digital? Like what can we expect as far as? Well, it is, it is a physical. It is a physical. It's
2: already uh, in existence here in the UK. Okay, and uh, um, um, we we decided to administer that. The, the album into and sell it really through shows. And uh, um, so now, because we can't quite tour America, we're just looking at the um, bringing it into the digital domain because normally right. um, I like to share our music as physical as a physical entity so that people can go home to the show with an actual record, put it on, play it, devour it, listen to it. Um, I'm not a massive fan of, of the, the digital musical uh, environments so I think that, mm-hmm. you know you don't get any sleeve notes you don't get any lyrics you don't get any production credits sure. none of that the, the background that, that you know I grew up on that stuff and, and find out more about a record and uh, so we, we tend to reward the, or the fans who buy our music we tend to, we like to reward them by having the physical copies come out way before it comes on the digital domains and, uh, but with the stream hurricane of change, because we can't come to it, we'll have to look at maybe bringing that that date forward sooner. And uh, and we just um, we've actually made quite a lot of uh, film content to go with the storyline so far, and uh, hopefully maybe even be able to finish that up and and almost deliver it as a film uh wow. as soon as I can. Just venture a little bit further away from from the house because uh, here it, it, in Wales where I live, we're in. We're still in stay-home lockdown mode, whereas in England, not far away from bit, they're in the stay-alert uh, mode, and they can actually travel uh, distances now, which which I'm not technically allowed to do. So, uh, as soon as uh a little bit more freedom comes to Wales, I'll be able to should be able to get out and, and finish the, the film idea that we started uh, to uh, as a way of presenting the the album to the wider audiences.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, Dennis.
1: Yeah, Mike, I was just going to say, um, I'm an alarm fan, but I'm out of touch because um, I'm my age or whatever, and <laughs> I um, find out that the, um, I'm listening to this uh, lovely podcast, and I find out that you actually have this project. Can you tell me about it? What is it about? What's going on? You yeah, well stream hurricane of change is um, a look into the
2: albums either Hurricane Electric folklore and Chains that The Alarm recorded and released in the years 1987 to 1990. Three great and, um, records. It was, a yeah, it was a time of great change for, for us as a band. You know, we'd, we'd come through the, our sort of epicenter of the 80s, and we'd done some massive gigs at Wembley Stadium, and we'd done the first ever live global satellite broadcast at MTV from UCLA. Okay. It was a huge success, um, and then we we went we, we at the back of that we we sort of had a, a, a really tough time in the band. We had a bit of a bust up behind the scenes over songs and the direction of the group, and and uh, and so the eye of the hurricane was something we were literally thrust into an emotional eye of the hurricane in the band, and we came through that and we survived to make the change album in 1990. And, and and then the, the, the Berlin Wall came down, and the idea of free new movement came to Europe, and borders changed, and 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 it, it was it seems a really optimistic time. And 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 then uh, in 2010, I remastered those albums in 2000 rather, and uh, you know did all the sleeve notes and the background story. And so when it when it came to the 30th anniversary, and uh, last year, I, I thought, well, I'm not. I can't really justify another remastering and reprint. But let's have a look at the songs in a different way let's go back into them and see what what was there that we missed at the time you know and let's see what would happen to the songs if I wrote them today and uh, and and that's really where it started and, and I um looked at it from a, a lyrical point of view and thought well what was the first of all this massive music what was the first song that was written and it was ironically the last piece of the music to be released of those three albums was the first one to be written in 1986 but it was the last song on change that came out in 1989 90 and uh i read the lyrics and it's a song called the new south wales and it was about a guy at the end of an era and he was walking home alone past a church full of mourning souls as it says in the lyrics and i thought well where's he going and I looked at it, found the next song that I thought, oh, I can be walking into this next song. It's called New Town Jericho. And, and then all of a sudden, a, a whole story, a, a very autobiographical story revealed itself to me by by throwing the cards up into the air and seeing how they fall differently and putting them in a new order. A different story came out of the songs. And uh, and so I, I, had, I knew I had to re-record them. I, I wrote a story to link all the music and... And turned it into almost a musical, like a one-man monologue show that I could tour uh, as a single entity, or or with a band, and uh, and it, it it turned into an amazing tour in Britain. I was quite unsure how it would play at first um, because it involved me walking out on stage in character almost, and it didn't address the audience for two hours. I spoke to them in the character and from the dialogue of the of the story and the songs, and then at the end I. was of absolutely drained. The the whole place just stood up, standing ovation, and then I played an encore of all the alarm songs they wanted to hear, the way they loved them, and and it it was turned into an absolutely incredible, incredible tour, and uh, I learned a lot from it, as did the audience as well, and it it was a great way of taking people back to the original record so they could listen to them again with a new insight. And uh, I think we're, we're the kind of band that, uh, that that can happen to, because the Alarm has always been a band that's formed on the top of songs. Um, you know, the, our records are the arrangement of those songs, and uh, and and so it, when you've got songs at the core of your creativity, they can go anywhere. And so I was interested to see where they would take me, as as songs that that are still part of my life to this very day, and they take me into the stream, Hurricane of Change, and. When you when you look around, the, the, the parallels of, of what was happening thirty years ago now in you know in two thousand nineteen we had a new kind of American style presidency that we're not used to seeing. Then we had same in Europe with border lines going back up and Brexit, people voting to leave the European Union, and now we've got this pandemic. It's it's been an absolutely incredible time of change at both ends of the spectrum when the album was created and the time that it lives in today. And I, so I wanted to reflect it as a piece of music today, because the songs, like I said earlier, they've lived with me my whole life. The audience have lived with them, and it's, it's just uh, it's great to shine a new light on them and, and let them see the light of day as new as a new
1: work in this, in this modern era we're living through now. I, I think that's such a great thing to do, and what hit me just now when you were saying that is Those three albums predate what historians now say is the significant world shift to the Internet in the area of around 1992 and 93. So really, they mark the end or the beginning of one of the most significant changes in the history of mankind. So it's kind of historic that they did that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because, you know, with the alarm.
2: Where, uh, in 92 we started thealarm.com you know we were one of the first bands to have an active website and I remember. Uh, yeah. We'd, yeah we'd seen you know I'd, been, uh, and I, I'd worked in computers in the 70s when I was a kid so, well, when I saw the Sex Pistols in 1976 mm-hmm. I, I was a computer operator for <laughs> a, a supermarket <laughs> chain in North Wales and you know changed my whole life and and, then, and and I rock and roll was my escape from computers, and then computers came following me back <laughs> into this world. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was I was quite aware of it. When, and then in, in early nineties, yeah, I, I, we got into this thing called the World Wide Web, and, and uh, what we had a really good fan, got a great fan called Steve Fulton from California, who was really. A real internet pioneer, and he kept writing to me one day and saying, "Mike, the alarm is going to have to be in this world. This is the future," and he was right, you know. And, so, and at the at the, at the time of the at that early part era of the internet, there was only a few websites for uh, maybe the Beatles and the Stones, and they were more archival, as they didn't feel like they were mm-hmm. about active bands. They were about posting tour dates and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I realized from from my own point of view as someone who'd been and had the benefit of being in a band in the 80s when we had advertising, we had the opportunity to have our music played by guys who could say what they thought freely and play the music freely. And then all of a sudden that was closing down. Um, And with the 90s and and when the alarm, you know, our generation fell out of favour, it was the new era of the you know, Nirvana's and Pearl Jam's and the Guns N' Roses, the new generation of bands were busting out and and making us feel a bit obsolete. The internet was a great tool. I realised I could communicate with our fans that we have been able to speak to through the likes of WLAR or K-Rock in LA that, that weren't playing our records anymore or weren't in existence as stations anymore because someone had decided classic rock was the best new format to have listeners to sell them advertising. And so, alternative radio stations, you know, but true alternative stations, uh, started to disappear, mm-hmm. and the internet became the way of speaking to our audience. And, and it, in a way, it became so liberating because in the '80s, you know, when when our guitarist Dave Sharp wanted to make a solo album, it was like, Oh, it's the end of the band." You know, or, he's doing a solo album. There's a great hit coming. Out, it's over. You know, and it was like, "No, but it's just it's just." At the record, but and then with the internet, as soon as we started to communicate with the audience, you could communicate the scale of your ambition as well. You spoke directly to your audience after, to them. You didn't have to talk to them through the enemy. You would jumble up your words to say what you didn't, what you weren't saying, and mix it all up to sound like it was a negative. You can actually speak to your audience director yeah this is a side project it's about a play it's a musical it's not the next album in the step of the evolution of the band it's mm-hmm. it is uh, and and people get into the spirit of it and they think that's great it's how we want it to be so it i find it very liberating and and that's you know it's something we still try you know we still prioritize our audience first uh before the industry if you know what i mean the demand mm-hmm. the industry we make mm-hmm. sure the audience who come to our shows, buy the records and the teachers, they get they get everything first and uh, and then, then we can come into the wider world when we're ready.
0: Awesome. That's Mike, great. Th- Mike, this has been so much of, of a pleasure. I mean before we go is Dennis, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add to your your old friend? What was the last time you you, you both spoke?
1: We were on stage together at the Tribeca film uh, yeah. festival okay. and Mike was blowing the roof off the place, and we had just had the um, premiere of uh, the W.I.R. movie, and it went on to win awards and get played on Showtime, and one of the stars of the film is Mr. Mike Peters.
0: Now oh, such
1: was, a great it was, film. It was a
2: great, a, a great film, and uh, you know, I know a lot of fans have seen it, and uh, you know, Dave Wakelin from the English Beat was there, and yep. uh, it was, at the time we, we had our own film, um, because uh, The Alarm, we run a charity called Love Hope Strength and we've done gigs on mountaintops like Everest and Kilimanjaro and all sorts of places with other musicians. And, uh, uh, and Gus McKagan is in the film Man in the Camo Jacket. There's some footage of us uh, with the dead men walking in the Man in the Camo Jacket movie. And uh, Duff's got one of the great lines, and he, he, he's asking my advice about wearing clothes on stage. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Duff Behavior wants my advice about wearing clothes. How cool is that? That's great. <laughs> Here's the camouflage jacket. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to wear a suit to do the de- We all said everyone's got to wear black suits, a bit like Reservoir Dogs. So he's asking me. Yeah, you yeah. have to wear a shirt I mean, hey, this is cool.
0: <laughs> I, lo- I, I love it. I love it
2: that went up a
1: hundredfold in that moment. That's great. Hey, Mike, I, I just want to say that I hope that, you know, when everything clears up, I, I look so much forward to hearing this this project. Brandon and I are going to have to work on getting a promo CD in here somehow, because I still do radio shows. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and also, um, Brandon and I want to come see you play when yeah. you're in New York. Yeah, so yeah. we will definitely look forward to that. We
2: can't wait to get back to New York, I'm telling you now. It's going to be a beautiful thing when we do, and I'm sure we'll all have a lot to celebrate and look forward to once this lockdown has lifted and,
1: and we can return to the life we love. Awesome. Well, I, I was just going to say, I want to thank you, Mike, for calling us from Wales and giving us insight into the incredible musical bridges and tunnels you've gone through and um uh, and brandon it's 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 an honor to be on your uh very popular podcast <laughs> and thanks, uh and you put me together with a, an, two old friends here so that's really nice
2: yeah this is
1: yeah, a pleasure so, you know thanks for having me on the show and
2: uh, you know great to uh be part of the guns N' roses community we're all big fans of the band and uh I can't wait to get to see them when they come to Britain next summer. Now that they be rescheduling the dates to the UK, so uh, we'll be there to
0: see them. Right on, Mike. And I was telling Dennis before because I, I didn't want it just to be a a podcast that was just Guns N' Roses from the beginning to end. But there's so many talk podcasts out there and rock podcasts, so I do it a little different. Like, instead of six degrees of separation, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, I do six degrees of GNR, r Bacon. So you have your you have your connections, and we get to learn all about you and what's going on. So uh, this is yeah, just a pleasure.
2: Like, you and know, I have such a lot of lives, you know. I could have talked about, you know, I'm really good friends with Billy Duffy from the Cult, you know, and they did a lot of work together. You know, Matt Sorum and Guns and Roses, him in the Cult, and you know, we're, our paths have all crossed. So it's great to be able to talk about in the context of other artists' music and their, and their, the, where their where their fans live and listen to their music, you know. That, that's one thing I well, grew up in an era, and, and Dennis will vouch for this when we were younger, starting out in the 80s. There was a... Music was a little bit more eclectic. You know, we had a show in Britain called Top of the Pops. Yeah. And I, I met loads of people playing on that show because, you, you know, I remember we'd go on stage with... The, the Alarm, then it'd be The Smiths and The men, and then it'd be Jive Bunny, and then it'd be The Smiths again, and then it'd be Madonna. Um, and, and it, you know, the fact that Jive Bunny were on before The Smiths just made The Smiths sound ten times more powerful. Um, and sometimes it's great to hear music outside of context and put it in a, alongside other art forms, you know, because a lot of it now is all pared down to one format, isn't it? And music is formatted... And it's, it's a shame, really, because, uh, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of alarm fans that, that, would, that would love some of the Guns N' Roses stuff if they were more exposed to it and, and vice versa. Sure, because we sure. all come from the same place. You know, we're all rock and roll fans and we like music with a great melody, but with a brilliant riff and a great soaring guitar solo and a killer singer. And that's what Unites
0: us all, and I have plenty. Honestly, have all
2: that in spades, and
0: so did the alarm. Absolutely, and honestly, yeah, Mike, I have yeah. plenty of listeners in Wales and the UK. It's it's pretty phenomenal. So there is an overlap. I mean, I look,
2: look, you- it's absolutely, and you know, Guns Roses are a global band. They're like all around the world, you know.
0: How well, I mean, this podcast, that's about. what I mean. I'm, not, not, I'm talking about this, like, I have yeah, listeners, so know, yeah, yeah. There's not
2: many, you know, the fans of the band are, are global. You've got a global listenership. And sure. When may you reign, I say. And thanks <laughs> for having me on the
1: show today.
0: <laughs> thanks, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike,
1: you, you stay healthy. My love to you and the family, and, and, and I'll, yes, see Dennis, you. Thanks, I'll see you in New York, my friend.
2: You, uh, you stay safe and look after yourselves, guys. Music will keep us strong.
0: Yes, it will. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Dennis. And thanks to all of you for hanging out for another episode of Appetite for Distortion. I'm glad this this was able to happen because I was actually supposed to finally get uh, professional equipment here in my apartment as I do this feel, feel, feel my quarantine subseries of the Appetite for Distortion radio program. So... I was like, I still got to connect on my cell phone. Is it going to sound okay? But uh, it looks like I should be getting that shortly. So I, I appreciate to all all of you who have been hanging out listening to these quarantined episodes where it's not up to at least my standard of of sound quality, but the, the content has been amazing. The guests uh, continue to be amazing with, with Mike Peters and Dennis. If you haven't yet, if you have Showtime, I'm not sure if it's on, on demand or – uh, but it was running for a while. Dare to be different, the WLAR story, and it's just—it's awesome to learn about radio, to learn about that era of music, and it's awesome to hear how Mike understood that. How you know there's because there there is a, there was a little bit of a crossover with new wave and this harder harder rock that came come in and, and grunge that came in. And you know you see that Mike has survived it all and is still making uh, great music, but not all artists do survive. And for me to go back because of Dennis, because of the documentary Dare to Be Different, and learn about this this time capsule, you know, and there's who else is on there? The Debbie Harry's on there, Billy Idol's on there. So there's a lot of young punk bands and new wave bands that credit WLIR and Dennis for bringing their music either to America or Playing it when other radio stations would only play what we would call mainstream rock, I guess, right? So there's a little bit of – there's a fight there. The same thing with Guns N' Roses, and Mike understood that. There's a fight, and if the music is good, fans will find it. And the same goes for podcasts, so I appreciate all of you who continue to tell people about this podcast. Uh, please Tell them uh, to follow us on social media. The conversation continues after the episodes. Facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD show, um, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion, however you listen, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can usually you know leave ratings or comments. Just just share. Share episodes with your friends and, and let them know because we have, a, even though it's all connected through Guns and Roses, we have a wide array. Of, of guests. It's not just the, the Matt Sorehams and the Frank Ferrer's of the world. It's Mike Peters. It's Paulie Shore. <laughs> we go everywhere, but we find that, that six degrees of GNR bacon connection. And uh, just thanks for coming along again as this Night Train podcast uh, continues. Until next time, um, we'll see when that Steve Thompson interview happens, which is going to be super exciting. But again, the best way to keep up to date with all the guests coming up on the show and to participate in these episodes, whether it's co host or submitting questions, again, follow on social media. So until then, when and where will you hear the next episode of the AFD show? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Yeah!
1: I'm going home.